0: Podcasts from the cat. Voices and sounds from crew
1: and Nantwich.
0: Welcome to Business Brunch and today we're talking to a local entrepreneur who began trading in 2015. And like most new businesses, it started life at the kitchen table and now MO Management Consultancy Limited is a well-established business. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Maisie Owen. Maisie, welcome to Business Brunch. Hello there. Maisie, you've been trading as uh, MO management consultancy now for four years. However, before we talk about the business, tell us what you were doing prior to starting out.
1: Yeah, I was uh, the the operations director for a forensic technology company uh, over in Shropshire. And uh, that sort of entailed, doing all the customer service, taking all that sort of uh, representation under my wing um, and organising project management and uh, making sure that the operational activity of the business was sustained to grow, for growth.
0: So quite a responsible position, obviously gave you good grounding for for starting your own business.
1: Yeah, I mean, I had staff in the UK and I also had staff in Europe as well um, and ran two offices so that... um, we managed to get the growth for the business across Europe and the UK.
0: And in respect of the position that you held there, uh, what skills do you feel that you benefited from as you moved into business?
1: Um, Well, it sort of gave me a really good grounding of understanding the principles of, of business practice. So understanding about pricing, understanding about taking things to market breaking new territories cultural differences and how you can blend them with the business that you've got understanding about the logistics so there's many facets that you don't realize as an ops director that you actually undertake and problem solving was a big was a big sort of skill set that I got so it was going into areas where things weren't working well applying some good business common sense and uh, getting some turnaround and growth in that
0: Well, of course, you led a team, so it gave you an understanding of how to engage with employees and get the best from them.
1: Yeah, so I had a PA and then I had six senior managers, one of which was based in the Paris office, and uh, coordinated with them all of the uh, activities.
0: Okay, so giving up your job and taking on the uncertainty of self-employment is a massive step, uh, and I know it would give most people the shivers. So what prompted you to start your own business?
1: Well, unfortunately, my my mother passed away very quickly, sudden death, and wasn't expected. And um, I was working crazy hours, 80, 85 hours between here and Europe, and uh, I was on the gravy train. And had the phone call to say that she passed away, and uh, suddenly the world stopped turning for a moment. And it kind of—I had one of those epiphany moments of thinking, "What am I doing? I've got a family," and I just thought I actually need to be more family focused and not so determined to keep pushing through new boundaries.
0: So you made the decision to to hand your notice in. Was that spooky?
1: There was a lot of tears, I've been there for 11 years and a lot of the business that uh, had been grown and developed had been through a lot of the working and collaboration and so there was a, a real thickness of DNA of, of my, my business style through the business itself. So when I handed in my notice it was a very tear-filled moment but one I needed to do for my own sanity and my own my own personal journey.
0: And everybody understood, they, they, they presumably all wished you well even though you were taking yourself away from the business.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I had some really supportive friends. that I'd grown to sort of have uh, as close friends over that that period of time. And they were really supportive, um, especially because of the circumstances, really.
0: So you'd made the decision and you'd handed your notice in and and you'd gone through that. It must have been quite traumatic leaving a position after 11 years. Yeah. What were your aspirations for the business once you'd decided on a, a destination?
1: Well, I'd, I'd been used to using consultants. So uh, getting consultants in with specialisms to help support. So it wasn't the burden of having to buy them in and, and have that in the overhead. So it was a really cost effective way of doing some, some real sort of skilled work. So I thought, OK, I can, I can do that. I can go back into industry. I've got plenty of contacts. A lot of blue chip companies uh, were all my contacts. They were my clients. They'd all wished me well and said if I needed any support or help, they'd try and help me. So I thought, great, I'm going to do a whole consultant's route. I'm going to be fine. And I've got out, started doing some networking, and actually realised that. My passion really lay with the small business owner of where there's quite a big gap. You know, I mean, consultants have got to make a living, they've got to put beans on toast and so they go out for that bigger day rate. Whereas um, I was in a position, fortunately, where I could really focus it down to the small business owner and what their needs were. And that's that's really something that I've really grown passionate about now and quite vocal about in terms of supporting them through various uh, networking groups.
0: It's interesting how th- that initial networking changed the course of the business then.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so everything that I thought I was going to do actually pivoted, turned and went into a completely different direction of which now I love.
0: We're talking to Maisie Owen from MO Management Consultancy Limited. Maisie, as somebody who's recently started her own business, share with us some of the problems and issues you had to overcome in the early years.
1: One of the first things was starting up the business day one, staring at a blank sheet of paper. Um, It was kind of quite daunting of, oh my goodness, how am I going to create a revenue? Um, So one of the things I did, I went to a local chamber, uh, joined as a member there. Started networking to a few different things, researched on the internet, um, and uh, found out the what went to everything. Opening of an envelope, I was there trying to get trying to get some contacts and build some confidence, Um, and uh, and then with the chamber, I they they provide free training courses, so I upskilled myself um, as I'd been in, in in sort of an environment where I gave the department heads the work to do so I had to go through that learning process all over again so I did that personal development piece Um, and then obviously meeting people trying to explain to them hone my 60 second pitch uh, which is everyone's dread Um, and trying to trying to have the confidence and one of the things that I've always thought about and I often say at networking that For people who are really nervous and going for the first time, one of the things that you you are taught from an early age is to sit down on the mat and only speak when the teacher speaks to you. So from an early age through schooling, you are taught as a culture to just only speak when you're spoken to. So to be stood in front of a room of people for 60 seconds and go, I'm fantastic. It's quite a daunting thing to do. Unless you're selling a product, you know, that's something that's sort of removed from you. But when you're having to sort of sell what your skills are, which are pretty much in your brain... That's quite a difficult, different different challenge altogether.
0: So did you go weak at the knees when when you were asked to stand?
1: Oh, my goodness me, my very, very first 60-second pitch. I'd been used to giving speeches in large auditoriums previously, and I went to sitting in this room with about 40 other business owners, and the piece of paper would not stop shaking, so I could hardly read any of the words on the page that I'd written. And it's also trying to hone down what it is that you do, which people get. If you sort of go on far too long about all the things that you... Think you can offer can change things directly um, in the way people understand what you do and you get pigeonholed very quickly and people sort of have that snap of maybe talking to you and going, well, okay, she does that. And actually what you could be offering is a lot more. So you just have to have the skill to know that you aren't keeping yourself pinned down to only a certain type of work.
0: And obviously you've got to wear lots of different hats as, as a business owner, particularly if you're the only person driving it at the beginning so just give us a flavor of some of the things that cause you a a few problems obviously you're, you're you know you're a very intelligent individual and and you're driven so you don't have to learn those things
1: no it's it's more things things that are money orientated so it's learning to make sure that you value yourself and that what you're offering is fairly priced Um, And then it's learning the art skill of uh, debt recovery. So obviously, you know, people are very quick to take your skill set, very quick to learn from you. Then they get the invoice and then maybe take a little longer than they should do to pay, which then obviously affects cash flow, which then affects your ability to earn money and and keep the business afloat. So early day stuff, um, which is is common, I find now even with business owners, Yeah. um, as a culture, we are... British people don't talk about money, and they certainly don't chase after money, so they find it quite difficult to ask people they've built a relationship for uh excuse me, could you pay me please
0: <laughs> it is an issue isn't it yeah. I, I remember very similar circumstances so it's maintaining that level of professionalism and the friendship that you've developed with the customer and and then uh, having that wholesome conversation with them where (laughs) we both gonna live and put like you say beans on toast
1: yeah exactly you know and depending on how good you get at it you either end up with one bean on your slice of toast or you end up with 10 so you know i'm i'm a 10 kind of girl not not a one
0: (laughs) good so and tell us one or two of the other things was there anything new that you found you had to learn very quickly
1: yeah i mean the internet you know websites um It's a whole, you go to networking events, you meet these people talking in this foreign language full of acronyms, SEO and all this kind of stuff, you know, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I'm never going to know all of this stuff. Don't understand how it works. But actually, if you just apply a bit of common sense um, and you talk to people, you can get a thread of what you actually need. Um, And what I tend to say, and and I did myself, was that I just stuck to the basics Kept within the budget I'd set myself so that I didn't go too far spending money on all the stuff that really a website, when you first launch, is just a shop window. So people know you're there. They can do some background checks on you, make sure you really do exist. And then once your cash flow starts to build, you can actually start to develop that more. You don't need to do it from from the get-go. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the common mistakes a lot of people make is that um, they they get sucked into the hype of and they want an all-singing, all-dancing and they may have a £1,000 budget and spend £999 on the website and realise that actually they need a computer, they need a phone. (laughs) Basic. Basic (laughs) Basic things, you know. (laughs) uh, uh, And appoint people to help them, so an accountant, you know, all those kinds of things. So it's, I I would say, because of my background, I I actually apportion money to, to different... Uh, Areas of the business that I knew would need money Um, but it's making sure you stick to that budget because when you get out there and you meet some great people and you think I really like you I could see me working with you but then you think there's going to be a bill so you've got to resist the temptation to not get sucked into doing too many things when you first start I think would be the best good advice. advice
0: So now you support a variety of different types of businesses, so share with us some of the the ways that you support them and, and help their client, clients, uh, help your clients' businesses develop
1: yeah, so I've got one client that's uh inherited the business Um, she was actually going to do something completely different with her life Um, unfortunately a family bereavement left her um, holding the the business where there was staff involved so um, it was a family been a family run for 30 odd years Um, and she'd never received any training so um, she floundered for a couple of years uh, through recommendation she found me and now we see each other twice a month and we sit down and I do a little bit of because management consultancy is a bit of coaching, a bit of mentoring, bit of bit of everything, really. And also rolling up my sleeves and getting on and I'm really getting stuck into uh, one-to-ones with staff, um, getting staff feedback so that I can go back to the owner. So a little bit of the John Timpson type of style of management. So it's from the staff up rather yeah. than the management down. So depending on the business I'm working with, I adapt the style to suit them and they get the most impact.
0: That's interesting going from the staff up. And did you find you got quite a different picture from Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the picture that the business owner when I met them for the first time was very different to the picture when I met the staff. Of how the actual coalface is, is is working. Yeah. Um, and in between, we're doing a lot of work about how we can change some of the systems so there's no duplications. You know, um, people have created silos for themselves. as a little bit of job protection, and it's getting people to understand that actually you get much better results when everybody works together as a team. And uh, it drive it helps to drive the business forward because everybody's got the same vision. And working with the business owner, it's getting them to give a vision which is manageable and achievable you're listening to a podcast from the cat
0: maisie just share with us how your services have changed over the past four years
1: yeah um well as i say I, you know i came out into the big wide world thinking i was going to go back into industries and do day rate and be absolutely smashing it in terms of revenue and charging charging out um, but when i got into networking. Um, I realised there was a niche in the market that isn't really supported and it's those small business owners that are either micro-business on their own or got ten employees or less. They can't afford the sort of six, eight hundred pound charges that most consultants charge for a day rate. Um, They see you smartly dressed and and, you know, you pull up outside and they just think expensive straight off, which kind of puts that then you're on the back foot. I understood that those businesses, some of them are absolutely fantastic. And as they've grown, they're adding to the economy because they're employing. They're they're really great businesses and really add into the local community. But they felt unsupported. Um, They kind of, they were doing okay. So, the, what I call is the accidental business owner. So, they've got a passion for what they do. They know how, how they're doing it, if it's a service or a product. And they've built on word of mouth a really good background. But they kind of talk, when they look over their shoulder, there's areas of business they really don't understand. And they get themselves into hot water because they've unwittingly done things that they shouldn't really be doing or have missed. So, when i got chatting to people that's where i found the niche in the market and so um i've started where majority of the time I offer a two-hour it's a really short fixed piece of work it's focused because most people's learning is only for about two hours and then they start to drift off doing other things and when it's really focused it's about the business it's looking at identifying the key areas of development working through them giving them tasks to do and then the next month I come back for another two hours and instead of doing a day rate it's just a a two-hour breakdown of my day rate so it's as little as hundred and five pounds and they get a really they get a little report with a load of actions so that the next time when I get back, it starts the process again, work through the report and identify what worked, what didn't and what needs improving.
0: And what kind of feedback are you getting from that?
1: It's it's become really, really popular because as word of mouth goes, people are saying, Well, it's really affordable, it's really impactive. And some of the businesses i've worked with you know they've for all intents and purposes looked very successful but underneath there are some fundamental issues in terms of the way that the finances run through the business the cash flow which is king Um, you know they've employed staff because they're they're getting more and more work but it's not the right kind of work so it's refocusing the the kind of uh, clients they're going for um, which are better paying and more profitable and then obviously um, getting the staff paid at the correct rate Uh, you know there are certain business owners that I know that they were paying themselves very very little and actually paying their staff three times the amount of money they were able to get out of the business which is not what most people set a business up for
0: no clearly not i think that businesses start and they allow generally they allow their systems to evolve don't they the, yeah. we, there's no hands-on no. There's, there's nothing written down it's a bit no. like the british constitution i think <laughs> doesn't exist
1: you <laughs> can ask boris <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, yes he, he might support the fact that there is one but and that's what happens. So you end up with a set of systems, for for instance, that are not fit for purpose. Is that what you find?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, quite often um, people work, with. that's the way they've always done it. They've not embraced change or technology or there's quite a lot of duplication when staff have started working together and um, they've done things in their own way. So as the owner because their their job is to go out and get more business they kind of take their eye off the ball a little bit and so you've got people creating silos uh, in terms of what they do as their work in practice so one of the things that i'll do is is get to the coalface talk to the staff look at what they're doing and then report it back because quite often what the boss thinks is happening is very different to what's actually happening with the staff on the ground
0: it's very interesting that and i think it's a great way to really get to the the, uh, the bottom of things and yeah. find out exactly what's wrong yeah. so it's difficult to ignore the advancements in technology over the last 10 years could you share with us um, how you reach out to potential new customers
1: they can either meet and see me, this beautiful body here. It takes <laughs> petrol to get me there, so that's the additional that you put on top. But most people like the fact that they can just tap straight into the internet, um, and we can do a consultation through the net. And uh, it's really that—that's when it's really focused because obviously um, they'd only be sat in front of a screen for more than two hours. I've—I've um, I've got a client that I've been working with now for the full four years actually, and uh, I um, facilitate their board meeting they're a family and uh, they never really pushed the business forward because they every board meeting they had ended up as a bit of a bun fight and they needed somebody to come in and just give them that that focus so uh, we have the agenda they have my beautiful face up on a big screen and then I just facilitate the meeting and they're they're based over in Worcestershire I've got clients I've had in London um, and it's all through the internet so Distance has never really been an issue. And obviously because I've been used to working overseas as well, um, when people have been working uh, maybe in France and places like that, they've connected through to me so that we've been able to keep up the momentum of the business that they're running.
0: So a wonderful use of technology there in, in making your business...
1: Accessible for all.
0: Exactly, yeah. So you're not restricted to just a small catchment. No. So, and obviously once you've got a customer in an area do you find you generating referrals then
1: yeah yeah that that's generally how it's kind of worked really i I know the the main customer base is covered across three counties so uh, shropshire staffordshire and cheshire um, that's really where the sort of main hotspot of businesses, is and it's all been through referral as um, soon as somebody started working with me started to see the change starting to see the revenue increasing because they're working leaner and cleaner um, they kind of say to their mate you want to give Maisie a call <laughs> which is great
0: Maisie, uh, it's a fundamental rule in business that you can't stand still so you either go backwards or forwards so tell us what you've got planned for the future
1: Well, because of the way that I've structured my business, it's really, really flexible. I'm of an age, and I've got a husband who's of an age, and so obviously retirement is the next um, sort of section in our our, uh, journey together. So probably about the next seven to ten years we're looking at going into retirement. So while hubby is reducing his days down, that's what I'm going to be doing with the business is reducing the hours down. But because of the way that I've structured it with the two-hour slots – When he's working, I can be working and it fits in then with the client base as well. So it doesn't restrict what I do. I don't want to build an empire. I don't want to have, you know, the staff. I've done that part of my life and uh, it was great when it lasted, but I've moved on to pastures new. And so therefore, for me, um, just maintaining the business, the best thing I get out of what I do is seeing the success that people once they've been working with me. When they start to grow a business and start to create employment or get, you know, where they want to be, that gives me much more satisfaction in life than than any of the sort of trinkets that life can bring sometimes.
0: And I suppose it's something that you would advise uh, your clients on as well, is an exit strategy which is what you're talking about
1: yeah so one of the key things i ask when i very first meet a person is because when i first meet somebody it's a free introduction i don't charge um it's a no obligation because my style doesn't suit everybody but what i do ask them is what are their drivers what are they trying to get out of the business what do they want the business to do um and quite often people don't know they've just started a business and they have got no idea what the journey's going to be so one of the things that I get them to do that if they come back and want to work with me is to think about it and then we can start to put that as a plan together of how they're going to get their journey out um be it sort of hand it on to family sell it off you know do whatever they want to do with it or as like me it's they call it a lifestyle business, but it isn't. It's a serious business, and what I'm doing is helping quite a lot of businesses across three counties maximise the potential that they've got. But what I want to do is have a work-life balance that doesn't preclude my family anymore, and if my family need me, I'm there for them.
0: So that's quite interesting, again, that most business owners have got business goals, and but they've also got personal goals. Yeah. So they started uh, their business for personal reasons as well as commercial ones. Yeah. And what you're saying is you drill down and find out exactly what's driving
1: them. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I say to them is, what made you step off the certainty of PAYE? You know, that, yeah. that regular paycheck every month is a very nice comfort blanket to have. Um, and going into the uncertainty of running a business where it's feast and famine sometimes, it can be quite daunting.
0: It certainly can. So even with your busy schedule, you still find time to uh, volunteer some of your spare time. I don't know where it is, Maisie. Uh, tell us about your links for the community.
1: So this time last year, um, I was appointed onto the board of something called a Purple Bamboo. It's a CIC, a community interest company. And it was set up to help people predominantly with mental health support and community-based projects where they're asking for funding. Somebody's got a great idea how they can raise funds or get something off the ground that will support a community project and they don't know how to do it. So they can come to Purple Bamboo, uh, there's a board of us, we've got governance, we've got people who specialise in different areas, uh, we've got counsellors that can support with the mental health uh, sort of work that w- that can go out into communities, and my, my job is to create it so that it runs effectively and efficiently with minimal funding. And uh, it's there t- for anybody to access. And they can come forward, say I've got a great idea, maybe want to go to Big Lottery, don't know how to do all of that. And then we can help coordinate them so that they can get successful bids into the community and use Purple Bamboo um, under the umbrella of Purple Bamboo so they haven't got to try and set something up for themselves.
0: I think it's admirable and the fact that a lot of business people do do this. Mm. Uh, where would they be without the volunteers?
1: Well, this is a big thing, isn't it, you know? Yeah. It's quite interesting because charities are, um, you know, funded and then a big proportion of their 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 funding goes to paying for people. Whereas you normally find CICs are run by volunteers. It's all community interest companies where the community is at the heart of what they do. And if you think about the skill set that some of those people bring to the table, they wouldn't be able to function without them.
0: And I understand, talking off air, that uh, you're also involved with Shropshire Chamber.
1: Yes, as of Friday, I was appointed onto their board of directors as a non-executive director, and when I was interviewed, which I hadn't been interviewed since I was twenty-two, so that was many, many moons ago. Interesting,
0: interesting exercise that was.
1: It certainly was. It was was for me too, Um, and I'm sure it was for them. And uh, the only thing that I had said to me was, uh, "Just be yourself; you'll be fine." But I did make it clear to them that I was there for the small business owner that was a member of the, of the chamber and if they needed support or they wanted to feedback that I would be their voice at that boardroom table and I'm quite happy to do that to try and get improvement and change in areas where people feel sometimes that they are not they aren't listened to and they aren't given something that's fit for purpose
0: I'm sure they'll benefit enormously hopefully so Maisie before you go let our listeners know how they can find more information about MO Management Consultants Limited.
1: They can go to my website, momanagement.co.uk. On there is the contact page if you're, if you're interested at all. And uh, then I've got a Twitter page, I've got it, which I don't tend to do. It's, Twitter is one of those things I'm hot and cold on. And I've also got a LinkedIn page. So you can find me under Maisie Owen uh, on LinkedIn.
0: Maisie, thanks very much for coming into the cat today.
1: You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Go to
0: listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.